Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Today I have a special guest on the show, and her name is Trisha Copeland. Trisha believes in finding magic. She believes magic infuses every aspect of our lives, and each of us create our own brand of magic. Whether transforming hearts, lives, numbers, ideas, art, music, or simply enjoying nature, we discover magic every day. She aims to write stories that show what is possible when one commits to finding magic in their own version of magic. Whether you're looking for fun romance, inspiring story of strength, fantasy, paranormal, or dystopian sci-fi, you've come to the right place. Award-winning author Trisha Copeland grew up in Georgia, but now calls Colorado home. If she's not on the trail... You can find her creating magical stories at trishacopeland.com. All right, Trisha, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, it's good to have you here today. I always like having fellow writers on the show uh, to talk about uh, uh, their stuff. So let's go ahead and just, you know, introduce yourself to the audience and, and tell them what you write, what you're currently working on. Right. So it's kind of funny. I'm pinching myself that I'm on a horror show because I cannot watch a horror movie or read a horror book to <laughs> save my life. <laughs> I get totally worried and upset. But I can write horror, which I'm realizing that some of my books may be categorized as horror. I started out writing, I guess you would call it inspirational romance. I had the experience of becoming anorexic as a young adult. And so my first series is called the Being Me series. And it's really about my, it's a fictionalized account of my experience with anorexia um, in the disease and my recovery, and really just aimed at helping people maybe understand that maybe have loved ones with the disease or just want to know more about it, like understand the disease, but also helping those that may have experienced anorexia or eating disorders or really any mental challenge to feel not so alone maybe oh and that's also, great yeah um, 
show that recovery is possible. So that was my first series. I wrote that as a four book series. And then I jumped into my first true love, which is paranormal vampire and witch fiction, which kind of went off the rails. I um, I wanted to write a vampire book because I'm everything about vampires. And the first character I wrote was a vampire witch hybrid. But then it ended up being about a trinity of witches that have to save all the witch lines from eternal purgatory because their souls are sent to purgatory when they die and they have to stay there forever. Um, but this witch trinity was prophesied to break that curse. So they have to find each other and figure out how to break the curse. So somehow my witch, no, sorry, somehow my vampire book got transferred into a witch series. And that's the Kingdom Journal series. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that sounds like cool, exciting stuff. And I think you're in the right place, actually, because, you know, the, the people of this of this podcast isn't just horror. It, it's it's paranormal and fantasy. And, uh, you know, you're, you're in good company here. So where'd you come up with the ideas for it? Like, like what, what is your inspiration? Yeah, like I said, I just love vampire stories. I grew up reading, um, well, the first fantasy I read, I guess, was Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, which was my first foray. I love all of those books. Frank L. Baum's whole series, I think there were 13 books I read in fourth grade. Um, then I liked Mary Stewart and the Crystal Cave with Merlin and King Arthur stories. And then um, like Morgan Le Fay, who I was just love the idea of fairies and witches. And then when I got older, um, read, just started reading vampire literature. I also read Lord of the Rings, all those great fantasy <laughs> stories. Yeah, yeah. And I love the vampire genre. I kind of consume almost every vampire series there has been. So when I wanted to create a character, I wanted it to be different, but not so different that people would hate it. Obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, well, you so, want to ultimately yeah. sell copies of books, so, you know. Right. And I did end up writing more of a vampire story. Um, the prequel to the Kingdom Journal series, Kingdom of the Damned, is... Alina, who is my um, vampire witch hybrid main character, um, it's her mother. So she, her mother is a vampire and her father is a witch, obviously. Um, but it's her mother's story of growing up in the 1500s and her family is burned by a coven of witches. So she goes on this quest to make peace between the vampires and the witches who have always been warring species um, but there's more like vampire lore in that book than than in the other books that one's sort of a historical fantasy book whereas the other or the the main books in the series are urban contemporary fantasy great so it sounds like you know just from what i'm realizing of, of all your of all your books it sounds like mythology and 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 uh you know sort of uh, history has a really huge role to play in your book. So how do you envision that you put, you know, mythology and, and history in, into your books? Yeah, with the historical fantasy, I did. I wove a lot of, like, Hitler was a vampire witch hybrid in, this in the Very historical cool. fantasy because I wanted to make him, in the story, vampire witch, vampire witch hybrids are forbidden because they were so 
powerful um, that they could obviously use their power for good or evil because they could do magic as well as have all these super um, senses and strength and power and abilities. So they were dangerous. And so I was like, huh, well, Hitler must have been this dangerous witch that someone bred. So yeah, so I have fun with those sorts of little historical tweaks. And this, the sword they're trying to find to break the curse um, was the Lance of Longinus, who pierced Longinus is this, the Roman soldier who pierced Jesus' side. And there's been um, stories about this sword that um, General Patton has a sword. And um, there's a story that Hitler's German soldiers took the sword to Antarctica. So all that's sort of woven in um, the story, the historical fantasy and breaking the curse. So, yeah, I get a little geeky about stuff like that. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I think that's what really puts book, books aside from others, you know, when, when they, when they are a little bit geeky, as far as, uh, as far, as far as it's all in the details, you know? Right. <laughs> I think I did. Yeah. I didn't, the most research I'd ever done was probably for that book. The other ones um, I could, just make the fantasy up on the fly, but that had to be a little more um, tweaking history. Um, so I had to make sure I was in the right place with that. <laughs> so one thing I do have to ask, especially because, you know, as an author, we love to make things up. So what are your vampire rules? I know vampire rules are, uh, you know, something that that everyone has their own take <laughs> on, on, you know, whether or not they have a weakness against garlic or they have to be invited in or you know is the sun make them sparkly uh <laughs> you know uh uh you know what what is what is the vampire rules of your of your world right so my vampires are not magical they're just a different branch of humans and in contemporary society they've actually um, sequence their DNA and realize they are just a, a branch of the human evolution, I guess you would say. Um, although the witches believe that they were fired by the devil. Um, the witches believe that the devil fired them with humans. So that is why they're evil and should be put in into. But the vampires themselves realize they are just an offshoot of humans with super senses um, they can be born and they can die, but they do live a long time. They live about a thousand years and they do reach maturity around 18 and pretty much look the same until their bodies sort of just very quickly wear out at the end of their lives. Oh, and, interesting. Right. So they, um, they don't get sick very often. They don't get things like cancer, but they can only eat natural foods. So they can't eat anything processed. So for the vampire, um, teenage vampire who's 17 years old and going to normal high school, she has to work her way around that with all her, she can't eat pizza, if it's processed cheese, she can't eat, you know, fast food, and she has to tell them she's on, has lots of allergies and is on this diet, but Oh man, that's really gotta be a hard navigating sense. high school as a <laughs> right. And well, in addition, she has to hide the fact that she's a witch and a vampire, right? So you talk about challenges in high school. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> right. So those are my vampire rules. Um they don't sparkle in the sun, they don't need to be invited in, they have all the super hearing, they sleep like cats do, sort of like a light sleep. 
Um, and they would prefer to be awake during the night, sort of like cats. Um, but other than that, they're just humans that have evolved these character super characteristics. Cool. And so as far as your, you know, your your main character struggling through through high school, like is she kind of wrapped up in vents? I know well, she's obviously wrapped up in, in vents bigger than herself, but you know, as far as the witch uh, vampire hybrid, is she actively hunted? Like, like, are there like, you know, witch hunters or vampire hunters like hunting her separately or is the witch and vampire kingdoms kind of at a peace at her, at her time of jet, you know, like, like right. how so dangerous is the world for her, you know? <laughs> so it's actually very dangerous. So her yeah. mother is the vampire chancellor. And one of the people oh. that put these rules in place that say you can't fire a witch vampire hybrid. So her mother oh, wow. has all <laughs> these, because she's a vampire chancellor, she has the vampire army at her disposal, but basically she's kept her da- daughter hidden and Alina has to kept her, keep her witch side hidden from everyone, but, in her immediate family. So no one else is supposed to know. I mean, the vampires can know that she's a vampire, but they can't know that she's part witch. And the witches can't know that she's part vampire, part witch, or else they would kill her as well. Um, Because the vampires and witch have come to this peace and agreement that this is how things should be done. Um, So yeah, she has to hide her true nature from everyone. And on top of this, she doesn't know who her father is. Like her mother has never told her who her father is. So um, she, in the first book, Kingdom of Embers, she's on this quest to figure out, like her mother moves them around every two years as well. And what we learn is that if you're a witch, part of the curse of being a witch is that you can never settle. You can never live in one place for more than a couple of years. So that's why her mother is moving her around. Mm but she, her mother is also always looking for something and she always needs Alina to be there when she's looking for something. So Alina kind of pieces it together that she's looking for like a teenage male. And mm. so Alina's thinking, oh, my mother's looking for someone like me, like a witch vampire hybrid, right? Um, then Alina, one time on one of these quests when her mother takes her, um, Alina recognizes a boy and realizes it was her previously imaginary friend that she played with when she was four years old. Um, And he's now a real life teenage person. So this kind of brings the intrigue into the story. Like how did I imagine a person who was real and how did I play with them as a four year old? And what we learn is that he is also a witch and that they are part of this trinity of witches. And that's why they could see each other um, and interact and play as four year olds. And, so Hunter is the name of the witch friend that she makes. And they kind of discover that they have to break their, they're this Trinity and they have to break this curse together. And that sort of wraps up the first book. I don't want to give everything away. No, you don't um, want to give everyone but, away, but now we right, all got to right. read so it, right? Second, sure. Right. I'm, they I'm realize sure. they have to find the third wish of the Trinity in order to break the curse. So that takes you into the second book of, Camille, who is the the third of the Trinity and her story. Each why I called them Kingdom Journals is because each book has a different main character. So the first one is Alina and it's written through her first person vision or her her perspective. And so the second book is written through Camille's perspective, but continues the story in this 
timeline as well. And then the third book kind of got, I guess, um, off the rails a little bit because there was a guy who um, we were not sure if he is on the bad side or good side, but he commandeered his own book. So that one's Kingdom of Honor. And his name is Jude. He's a herald. And that's sort of a different kind of witch, which I won't tell you about because we don't know whether he's bad or good. And then the fourth book in the finale is Kingdom of War, which is through Hunter's perspective. Oh, very cool. If you want to know the whole geeky story that I just told you. No, I don't want you to give away too much. You got to have people read it. Uh, I'm actually noticing right now that the first one looks like it's free on Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Of Witches and Vampires Kingdom Journals. Uh, That is the prequel to the prequel. That is the prequel. Yes. And so that is the origin story of Witches and Vampires in my Witch and Vampire world. So like it's okay. when so I got the I, I got the wrong out, one. Right. Um, so yeah, Kingdom of so of Witches and Vampires is a prequel to the prequel, and it starts basically at Adam and Eve. Um, okay. when and vampires were first born, fired, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and then Kingdom of the Damned is the prequel. Then Kingdom of Embers. It should be ninety nine cents anywhere you want to yeah. buy it. Yeah, Kingdom of Embers is ninety nine cents. So. So for all of you out there, it's only a dollar to get started. <laughs> so def- and and there's a really like- good deal on the five book series, though. I think you can get the five book series for $9.99. Oh, really? And if you're audiobook lovers, they're, um, the, the four books are on audiobook. Oh, yeah. It looks like they're on, they're on Audible, so they could probably use Audible credits. Definitely Audible, uh, yeah. I imagine they're audio lovers if they're listening to a podcast. So <laughs> I had some great narrators. I just love my narrators, so. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, people should definitely, definitely check those out on Amazon. Kingdom of Embers book one. Uh, and then the other one of which is in Vampires. That was the free prequel one. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. At least free right now. I mean, <laughs> when no, I that one's free. always free. It's a oh, short a- story. It's about 30,000 words. Oh, okay. Kind of a free short intro to my writing and my okay. world of vampires and witches. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that's a perma-free one. Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, let's uh, go ahead and switch gears a little bit and talk about your podcast. You're also a podcast host. In fact, we're doing a little bit of a a, a podcast exchange here where I'm going to be on your show and you're here on my show. So let's uh, yeah, go I love and tell my everyone. podcast. The name of my pod- podcast is Finding the Magic, and it's all about books and authors and characters. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. I've interviewed maybe, wow at least 15 authors so far this year. Wow. And it's, it's been amazing. I love it. I just, I'm nowhere near a hundred episodes as you are. <laughs> I, don't I just do did my 20th episode in July. So yeah. How, what, what episode in July? I'm sorry. The 20th. The 20th episode. Cool. Well, that's awesome though. means that people will have, uh, they could catch up on it, you know, <laughs> and that way they're, they're current. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so is it just interviews of authors or do you do uh, other stuff that is, is not interviews as well? It's chiefly interviews. I talk about my books and I have the first chapter of Kingdom of Embers audiobook there, as well as I did a reading. I, I won't say that I'm a great narrator, but I did a reading of the first two chapters of my most recent release, which is To Be a Fae Queen, which is a fairy fantasy book. Oh, nice. Yeah, I 
I will read stuff on the show here, uh, as people know, and uh, I wouldn't say I'm the best reader either. I, I, I do what I can, but I, I'm definitely like you, where I'd rather have someone from Audible <laughs> do the books, you know, like, like definitely better to use a professional narrator in that. Well, my, yeah, my problem is I got, I get so emotional about my characters. Like I actually started crying when I was reading it because I'm a huge crier, but also like, yeah, there were some bad, bad things that happened to my character and I got so emotional. I started crying. And so then I had to stop and um, finish it the next podcast because because you couldn't do it. (laughs) I couldn't do it. That's okay. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. No, I feel you. I feel you on that one because you do get really invested with your characters. They become sort of like your kids in a way. Uh, you know, I mean, as a parent, there's nothing like my kid. I can, I will say, but, but, uh, uh, but there is, uh, you know, a feeling of, of specialness and it's really hard to like, like, kill a character off that you get really invested in but sometimes you got to do it you know uh <laughs> i don't know what do you what do you feel <laughs> about that no yeah i was talking to this author that said she wrapped up her series and yeah she either killed off or made a happy ending for everyone and i was like wow i am so impressed with that because what i've done um the kingdom journal series is woven into my next series with the fairies it's, it's called the realm chronicles so um, my main fairy character, Titania, does a cameo in the last book of the Kingdom Journal series. And then the witches from the Kingdom Journals are going to be interspersed in the Realm Chronicle series with the fairies, um, fighting some of the same evil spirits. I will leave it at that. Um, so, yeah. So I can, yeah, I had to keep them going. I couldn't let them go. No, it's fine. That's great. I like it when when all the worlds are are combined. You know, when you have sort of a a, a world that has uh, many different aspects to it. So, is the one with fairies? It, it, you said it goes on in the same world. Is this a, another uh, kingdom that we don't know about, so to speak, like a fairy, a fey kingdom? You know, it is, and it's the fairies live in middle earth which is just under our earth between so if you think of where we live on top of the earth as upper earth then the fairies live in middle earth underneath our soil or our rock bed and you can get to middle earth through fairy rings or portals so bringing in the fairy rings Um, so they live with sunlight and water from our earth, all the sunlight and water for their animals, their plants, which are really just a mirror of our earth, but it comes, all the sunlight and water comes from those portals. So as long as those portals are open, um, they get their air, their water, their sunlight that way. Okay. But if those become closed and cut off, which is what some of the evil beings want to do and take over their realm, then that becomes a problem for the fairies because they won't have food and they can't get out. Um, Fairies can come live on upper earth if they want to. They live a very long lives on upper earth and can hear people's thoughts. But in their middle earth fey realm, they live about 50 to 60 years. They don't have any special abilities there um, with a few exceptions, which I won't give that away because that's an element of the story. Um, 
but but Titania, the main character, is a princess fairy who loses her four brothers to this evil, they're called Cubbled, which are these dragon-like creatures. Um, they're killed by these um, Cubbled, the even, evil dragon-like creatures, and so she is set to be the first queen or female queen of the fairies ever. So she has these challenges of being the first ever fairy queen. And yeah, and, the, and also in Middle Earth, they don't have electricity or computers or cell phones. So it's very much like medieval times. They have castles and stone cottages and they farm all their food and they hunt mm. the animals. So um, no technology, no electricity, candles, fireplaces. And so sort of a little middle medieval type thing. And under the Middle Earth is Lower Earth where, where there is hell and purgatory and all the evil spirits. So, um, and their job as fairies or why they were created, quote unquote, by the creator was to protect the humans from these evil spirits down in Lower Earth. So the evil spirits are the ones that want to like close the portals and, and right. uh, ruin her kingdom. <laughs> Right, so they can get to the humans as well. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so it, it sounds like a, a good series. How many books are you in, in in that one right now? So I just published the first one in April. It's called To Be a Fae Queen. Okay. And the audiobook should come out in December. I have Audio Flow, who just bought the rights to publish that audiobook. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. And so I'm writing the second book right now. That is due to my editor in September. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be called, oh, I don't know if I can reveal the, I can reveal the title only on here. So my listeners have to come hear it. Um, I will say it's going to to be to be a fae guardian. Oh, okay. We'll have to keep, keep an eye out for that. So definitely, definitely. So it sounds like there's a lot of stuff for, for people to read. Now, one thing I want to talk about, uh, you know, before we kind of, kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, close up here, I want to, you, you mentioned when we were talking before the show that you had a science background and, and I just find that kind of intriguing that you have a science background and all the stuff that you write is very magical, you know? And, and so I don't know, I, I, I'm very similar in, in the way that I, do come from, you know, a more <laughs> sciencey background in some ways. Uh, and, and, but then I also do science fiction. So it's, it's a pretty easy jump from there, but I'm, I'm curious on how that fits in with your science background. I know you did mention the DNA of the vampires for a little bit there. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I was in, yeah. So I have a master's degree in microbiology and I worked as a researcher at the beginning of my career and then moved into patent writing. And what I realized about what I liked about the research is I liked figuring out how to figure out the answer. Like I liked trying to figure out the right experiment to do to get the answer that I needed. It wasn't so much, I I mean, knowing the knowledge was Mm -hmm. interesting to me and finding out the knowledge and creating um, workarounds was, but what I loved was just like the creativeness of trying to figure out how to figure out the answer. And that's um, sort of what I've discovered in hindsight a little bit, but yeah. I would do the same thing. Like I would be in the shower and be thinking about my work and really 
and maybe you can tell from me talking about this, but when I'm into something, I'm 110% into it. So when I, you know, when I would be thinking about my research, I'd be in the shower and be thinking like, oh, this is how I can do that, you know? And so yeah. I, the same things come to me when I'm running or just doing other chores, like, oh, this is how I can get my character from point A to point B. Um, and if I'm under stress, like for a book deadline or something, and it even comes out more <laughs> like in Kingdom of Honor, I have, they get branded and so they can only travel so far. And I had to, I figured out these like brands that attach to this tattoo that are like strings of blue light that are actually flow through your body and are attached to your heart. And that's how the witches were branding each other to try and control them. And I was like, where did the blue light strings come from in my head? I <laughs> but I did write one dystopian sci-fi book. I wrote, I was challenged to write a book with a healing theme in an anthology. And yeah. so my healing theme, um, and this is actually pre-pandemic. So I wrote it in 2018 and published it in 2019. But um, it was about a flu virus very eerily. Um, and there was a second, second flu pan pandemic. Her parents had already lived through one pandemic and she, then another one was coming. So their parents send these two teenagers to the, a desert community in the middle of Nevada to try and help them escape. And, but then her sister, they find out her sister has contracted the virus and she has to basically go to any lengths to get a cure for her sister. Um, so these two teenagers like, take off and go rogue to um, to get the cure for her sister. And then there's espionage and, and different things involved with that. But it, it was a dystopian sci-fi and the fact that we learn that um, there's been some genetic breeding and that's why some of the people are resistant to getting the flu. So yeah, that was, that oh, was kind of... That brings my science background. That was the whole point of that story. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I've got, I know science and I know. In a like, long-winded about... <laughs> way, that's, that's the most science I've brought into um, my books, right? That's interesting. Yeah, no, that's kind of cool though. But I mean, it's good to be multi-faceted uh, like that because I feel like, you know, readers... I don't, I don't think people are just one genre readers <laughs> and anymore in the, in the sense that, you know, I know, you know, uh, you might have uh, someone from a previous generation who just goes to the romance section and that's all they ever buy are romance novels. But now I feel people are more willing to kind of uh, browse the various sections of a bookstore and, <laughs> you know, see, you know, if they see your name uh, in, in different places, you know, that's a, a, a good thing. They can they can read uh, science fiction, but then follow it up with a, a, a historical, you know, uh, fantasy novel. So, right, and all my characters have hats. some like challenge that they're whether I'm writing a romance or I'm writing a fairy fantasy. All my characters have some kind of challenge that they need to overcome, and eventually realize they have their own power. However, it's coming out that is going to help them overcome that challenge and that they can rise to the occasion and do that. So that's sort of that magic in all of us theme. Yeah. So you love, you love seeing people over overcome their, uh, their, their challenges in their life, you know, and, and I guess that kind of relates to your earlier work of the romance uh, novels you mentioned about having 
uh, romance novels that have a, you know, a challenge uh, or a healing, you know, a way to, for, for people to overcome their own stuff or their own, you know, issues that are going on in their life. Great. Well, yeah, it was so great to have you on the show here. It was really good conversation. You're, of course, welcome back anytime. So if you have a new book coming out, be sure to stop by here. Uh, and uh, before we go, please uh, go ahead and mention uh, anything else you'd like to know. How do they find your books? Uh, is there anything we didn't cover that you would like them to know? Uh, I think we talked about all my different genres, which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's what I love doing. <laughs> right. So my website is Trisha Copeland, T-R-I-C-I-A-C-O-P-E-L-E-N-D.com. I am on all your favorite social media. I love being on Instagram. I love my podcast, Finding the Magic, which is also on most of the podcast platform. So you can message me wherever. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, then you get two free short stories. You get a very kind of a very prequel short story, as well as a new adult college romance story that is a lot of fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, that's great. Go ahead and check that out. It'll be at the show notes. And uh, if you don't mind, just go ahead and uh, stay on the line for a few moments and we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thanks so much, Erin. I appreciate being here. Thank you for so much for being on the show. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.